Hi, this is Brian Lehrer. You're listening to WNYC On Demand, podcasts, streaming, and MP3 downloads, available when you want to listen at WNYC.org and iTunes. Brian Lehrer and WNYC. By the way, still to come on today's show, Dahlia Lithwick from Slate on Elena Kagan's Inbox and an Albany Odd Couple, Ira Glass and Richard Ravitch together. This I've got to hear coming up on our show next hour. But speaking of Albany, New York Governor David Patterson has expanded the law protecting New York City tenants living in manufacturing or commercial space converted into residential lofts. The so-called loft law protects tenants living in illegally converted industrial buildings, many of which are in Brooklyn. Some of you remember the original loft law from the 80s, which was mostly about Soho. Many of today's tenants are artists in neighborhoods like Bushwick and East Williamsburg, so of course they're ecstatic about this. But not everyone is happy, particularly Mayor Bloomberg. James Pinero is an art critic and the managing editor for New Criterion. He's just finished an article in support of the new expanded loft law, which will appear in the summer issue of the New Criterion. James Pinero, welcome to WNYC. Oh, good to be back. Thanks. And actually, the the article will appear in City Journal, not New Criterion. Okay, in City Journal from uh, the Manhattan Institute. That's right. And yet you're on the side of the artists. Passing the loft law is good for New York art scene, you wrote. How come? I I think it is. Um, You know, over the last several years, thousands of New Yorkers, many of them creative, uh, you know, put up with slum-like conditions in the outer boroughs uh, in order to get space and affordable space. It just so happened that their areas they were living in uh, were zoned for manufacturing, so they never had protections, uh, fire protections. uh, They never had tenant protections. This expanded law flaw will give them those protections and I think allow them to put down roots in these neighborhoods where they've already put in a lot of sweat equity. Anybody living in one of those lofts now covered by this law or one like it or have a loft law story or question, 212-433-WNYC. Call us up, 212-433-9692. And I gather the passage of this law caught people by surprise. Loft laws seem to always get introduced and never get passed in the Senate, right? You're absolutely right. Uh, It caught everyone by surprise, including zoning specialists, including Michael Bloomberg, who you know, made a last-minute phone call or last-minute appeal to uh, Patterson uh, to uh, reject the law, but he signed it anyway. But what's, uh, why are they in the right, in your opinion? If these are illegal conversions, uh, why shouldn't the zoning you know, catch up first and then be, people be able to uh, do what they want, you know, but under the law? Well, I agree. Zoning should catch up. Uh, I wish Stoney would catch up first, but the city is so reluctant to rezone these areas um, for reasons I can explain that the law flaw is a bit of a step in that direction. It's not full rezoning, but it'll at least allow these buildings to be considered legal. Um, the, the reason the city uh, separates zoning industrial and residential right now is not the original reason that separated it. Originally, it was to protect residents from the encroachment of heavy industry, from the dangers of industry. Now it's being done to artificially depreciate the value of these buildings so that industry can use it more cheaply. But the fact is there's a greater demand for these buildings from tenants, including even poor artists. They'll price out the industry, and and I think the the city should allow that to happen. But that's one of Mayor Bloomberg's concerns, isn't it? He fears that this law flaw 
with the expansion of people living in industrial spaces will erode the available safe in the, uh, space in the city that's reserved for industrial uses, and that'll make it more difficult for new manufacturing to flourish and the creation of jobs in that respect. All true. But I think that's going to happen, and it has happened anyway. Um, you know, the fact is industry moves out in New York. It's been moving out since the 60s. Uh, it, it, goes to, it goes to the South. It goes to Mexico. It goes to Asia. It goes because of cheap labor. Um, it goes because of the city's high taxes. And I think artificially depreciating the, uh, the value of this real estate, uh, you know, yes, there is a demand for some industry, but also there's a demand for housing. And I think uh, there's a real benefit to the city to have affordable housing for its uh, creative class. Jamie in Manhattan. You're on WNYC. Hi, Jamie. Well, I got on quick. Yeah. I used to practice lost law. I, I was an attorney for many years, and mm-hmm. I, I basically converted Soho in those years. And like, I just got to point out, like, the reality of what happened is, like, all those artists that I fought so hard to protect, it all came down to square footage at the end. Like, you know, they really became real estate mobile, and, and it just became just a cumbersome profit margin for attorneys, uh, arguing about the most arcane, ridiculous things. The law board was just a quagmire of total disaster. And there's also a sociological thing. Like, you know, when you pass laws like this, it it stagnates the expansion into community. It, It stops people from going out and landlords even being willing to rent to people under speculative conditions, like, you know, in places that nobody else wants. So you mean the reasons that the reason that the artists were fighting for loft laws now for Williamsburg and Bushwick is because after the loft law for Soho was passed, it just became so desirable and so expensive? Oh, my God. It, got to, it, it was horrible. Like, I, I had these idealistic lawyers, uh, artists that were there from the beginning, like, you know, that, you know, and it really was, you know, people forget, it was also about landlords, you know, being willing to provide space to people that, you know, it was sitting stagnant and nobody else wanted it. And it gave, like, artists, like, you know, 5,000 square feet on Bond Street, but, you know, for $500. Amazing. And, like, you know, you would fight forever about those issues. And, and it just, like, and then it all became, once they did get the property and they did get the rights, and we forced landlords to buy them out, you know, it all became about how much can I get per square foot to mm. get out of here. But, but, you want, but you want affordable housing for artists in the New York area, so is yes. there a better way? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's almost like leave it alone. Like, as long as there's an area where artists can go that, like, there isn't this hard regulation that, like, you know, you're okay to weld in, you know, and you're okay to, like, you know, do things that otherwise, you know, like, it's so You can't do anything now. So like, you if mean, somebody tried to take yeah. out an art welder today, they, you know, you'd have the community board. So you mean if you, a riot. Right. So you mean if you can't afford... <laughs> Uh, if you're an artist and you can't afford Soho, then move to Williamsburg. And if you can't afford Williamsburg, move to then Jersey. Then you go out to Bushwick. And if you can't afford Bushwick, you go out to East New York. Yeah. And, and, like it, and it just keeps pushing. And then you go to Union City. And then you go to Jersey City. And, and it just keeps moving forward. But every time they try to do something like this, it really becomes like it, it, it becomes a real estate speculation market. Jamie, you know, the that... minute you put the regulation in, I, I really would like yeah. to say that you know it, it has this, 
sociological benefit for promoting the arts. But the last thing I saw come out of Soho by the end of 1995, 1996, were artists. They couldn't afford to live there anymore. J- J- Jamie, thank you. James Pinero, <laughs> that's an interesting historical perspective well, and critique I mean, I, of the idea. I, I agree with them. You know, with New York City, you have to just choose, you know, uh, which oppressive regulation are you going to be under. And I think he's right. You know, things like the particular artist housing that live workspace that existed in Soho has become a bureaucratic nightmare. Um, that's why I think this, uh, this law flaw is really a stopgap measure, measure uh, towards genuine rezoning. In my opinion, rezoning should follow the market demand and not determine the market demand. And he's right. This would allow artists to, let's say they get priced out of Williamsburg to go to Bushwick, then they go to East New York. But it would make that movement legitimate because if you don't have that, frankly, you have, you know, in fact, very frightening living conditions. Uh, you know, there was a, major, a big building out in, in, um, in Bushwick, actually, it was in Ridgewood at uh, 1717 Troutman in uh, 2007. It was raided by the fire department, and 200 people were kicked out of their apartments into the streets. The Red Cross had to be called in. That's not a good message to send. You know, and so uh, something has to be done about that. How many buildings are we actually talking about in Brooklyn at this point? I think we're talking, from the numbers I've seen, about 300 buildings um, and maybe about 1,600 units. Um, it's mostly in the areas. It, it, didn't, it didn't apply to all industrial zones. It, it applied to three of Bloomberg's 16 industrial building zones. Most of, most of them are in uh, North Brooklyn. Um, we're also talking, I think, parts of Maspeth, East Williamsburg, Greenpoint. And here is Anne in one of those areas in Bushwick. Hi, Anne. You're on WNYC. Hi, Brian. I wanted to say um, I'm one of the tenants that got evicted out of a building on Water Street in Dumbo years ago, and I used to go to Albany to lobby for the loft law for years, and um, I think it's mostly about the safety of the tenants, because if you don't have a loft law, it puts the landlords and the tenants in an antagonistic position. The loft law allows the building to be upgraded to a safe state with the tenants still in them. And, James, you agree, yes. I presume. That's exactly right. And, you know, traditionally, t- uh, landlords tend to oppose these loss laws because they have to pay for the upgrades. What's interesting about this case is that you haven't heard uh, complaints from landlords in Bushwick and other areas about this loss law because their real estate, if it isn't converted, is essentially worthless because where, uh, you know, industry is just not using, not using it, especially the upper stories of these buildings. And thank you for your call. And Leah in North Brooklyn, you're on WNYC. Hi, Leah. Hi, how are you doing? Good, and you? I'm well. Um, I just thought I uh, heard you guys were talking about this and wanted to uh, join in the conversation. Uh, I'm the executive director of a small nonprofit in North Brooklyn, and we work with the industrial businesses in our community. And uh, the new loft law very directly affects the constituents that we work with. It hurts you? Pardon me? It hurts them? Yeah, yeah. How? Um, this could have a, a very long-term deleterious effect on our ability to keep working-class jobs in our community. Go ahead. Tell us how and why. Well, you know, to, to allow the illegal conversions an opportunity to become legal without going through a variance application process, is going to, over the long term, have the effect of driving our businesses and the working class jobs that they have out. For example, 
in one of the pockets of the North Brooklyn Industrial Business Zone, which we manage for the city. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple of illegal conversions. Um, one directly across the street from Boar's Head Foods, um, which employs 225 people and distributes Boar's Head products throughout the region. Um, it's, it's very difficult for residential uses to be right next door, cheek by jowl, to industrial uses. Um, once folks start moving in, even if they're not there legally, um, they call the city and complain. They complain about noise, trucks, smells, etc. All the things that, you know, zoning is supposed to help separate these uses and only keep uses that, um, you know, can work well together, together. Um, there's another, another illegal conversion across the street from one of our bigger employers, Wonton Foods. They're the, Wonton Foods is the largest manufacturer of fortune cookies in the world, actually. They employ over 300 people at their facility over on Moore Street. And they're already getting calls and harassment from the illegal conversion uh, across the street. Difficult for them to get their trucks in, people coming over to complain. And then even the sorts of industrial uses that you think of as non-noxious, like garment manufacturing, for example. You know, um, one of my businesses is garment manufacturer. They turn on a fan every day at 7 in the morning. There's a legal residence right next door to them. They come over and scream at this business owner because they can't sleep. Those are really interesting stories. So do you have an alternative way for the city to, you know, satisfy its interest in having affordable housing for artists, which is good for the city as well as good for the artists, I think you'll agree, um, and maintain those industrial spaces for the groups that you do business with? Well, let's see. Um, here's what I would say to that. I think that, the, uh, that actual working artists and industrial businesses have a shared need for industrial space. You know, as the previous um, speaker said, you're not going to weld in your apartment. You're not going to use heavy solvents. You're not going to use oils. If you are a musician, you're not going to have a full band, plug-in, amplified rehearsal in your apartment. And those are the sorts of working artist needs that industrial uses can provide. Mm -hmm. James, uh, wanna, you want to talk to Leah? Well, I, um, you know, I will say that, that this, the re there is a reason why industry and artists want the same space. It's true. It's because they both need large space. They both need to work in their space. Um, I will say that, you know, the com complaints from the industrial lobby, I do feel like it's a little bit like they want a free lunch. They want that depreciated uh, real estate in order to afford uh, the space. And frankly, I think the demand for living space, especially from artists, is greater at this point, and the market's spoken. And I will also say that these conversions have happened. You know, artists are living there, and the law flaw is kind of like a last-ditch emergency effort to at least get them legalized so that they can, you know, benefit from fire safety. You would think in New a, a city the size of New York there would be room for both of these groups. Indeed. Both of uh, which the city needs. Indeed. I mean, and, you know, I mean, and then to, to answer your point, um, well, you know, you say the artists are there. Well, the businesses are there, and in many cases the businesses have been there for 100 years. And it's their right, their legal right, to, you know, operate their business within zoning and other regulations. But what, they're going to have to leave because artists are living in nearby spaces? Well, um, 
generally speaking, over time, I think you've seen it in San Francisco and in Soho and in Dumbo, that as spaces um, convert from industrial to residential, um, you lose the industry. You lose those industrial jobs. I mean, I think that that's a pretty well-established pattern. It's also ironic that the same criticism has been leveled for years at the Bloomberg administration for its land-use policies with respect to rezoning miles of waterfront to allow residential buildings to rise in the place of the industrial buildings there. And now he seems to be on the other side of it here. So, Leah, thank you very much for your call. We really appreciate your perspective. Uh, And we just have 30 seconds left. James Panera from New Criterion. You're... An, an art critic by background, I think. So That's correct. What, what effect do you think this will have on the art scene in New York in 30 seconds? Well, I mean, as an art critic, as a New Yorker, I'm so supportive of what's happening in Bushwick right now. It reminds me of Soho in the 1970s. And I think this will just allow that environment, that arts community out there, to set down more roots. It'll definitely benefit New York um, now it will benefit New York in the future. New York needs a place for its creative class to live together. Um, and you see what happens in, in Soho when, that, when, when, when all artists benefit. James Pinero, art critic and managing editor for the new Criterion magazine. He just finished an article in support of the new expanded Loft Law, which will appear in the summer edition of the City Journal, the state has just passed an expanded loft law after many years of trying. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to WNYC On Demand. Please check out our other programs at WNYC.org or on iTunes. This free service is made possible by our listeners. Become a member of WNYC today.